How's everybody feeling tonight? Amen. Amen. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about strength. You know, we talked about, are we recording yet? Okay, good, good, good. Tonight I want to, I want to talk about being strong in the Lord. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, verse, uh, verse 18 says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may take your stand against the, the wiles of the devil. We talked about Ephesians three sixteen. Paul prays. He says, uh, my prayer that that out of his uh, out of the riches of his glory that God would strengthen you with might in your inner man by his spirit and that you being rooted and established in love might have power together with all the saints to grasp how high and how deep and how wide and how long is the love of Christ and to know this love which surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Is anybody sitting in these two seats next to you, Lorenzo? Or who, oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, come on in here, Jermaine. There's a seat right next to you. Let Jermaine sit there next to you, PJ. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good, good. So we talked about being strong, being strong in your inner being and how the enemy's plan and the enemy's goal is to weaken you in your inner being. And if the enemy can weaken your inner man, he can weaken you. But if, if God strengthens you in your inner man, and if you remain strengthened in your inner man, then you're strong. And when your inner man is strong, you can accomplish anything. We see in, in uh, Deuteronomy 31, 6, um, uh, Joshua is being appointed leader over Israel. And Moses says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. In Joshua chapter 1, God speaks to Joshua and says, Moses, my servant is dead. And he says in verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do everything according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. He says, be strong and courageous so that you obey everything I tell you to do. Do you know that when fear creeps in, the first thing that happens is disobedience and that disobedience to God is always the result of fear. You remember King Saul when Samuel told him, wait for me and I'll make the sacrifice when I get there. And he looked around, Samuel was late and the people were beginning to disperse. And so Saul made the sacrifice and just after he finished making the sacrifice, Samuel walked in and Samuel said, why didn't you wait for me? Didn't I tell you to wait for me? And Saul said, well, you were late and I feared the people. I feared the people. I was afraid. I was afraid of the people. The people were leaving me. I thought the people won't follow me. If I don't do this now, I'm going to lose the people. I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose something. And whenever we start becoming afraid that we're going to lose something, the first thing that goes out the window is our obedience. Our obedience to giving the tithe goes out the window when we start fearing that we're losing our finances. As soon as we start to fear that we're losing anything, our obedience goes out the window. And God knew that Joshua was getting ready to lead the entire nation. And his goal was to lead, his commission was to lead them into the promised land to possess their inheritance. But he knew that Joshua would be tempted to disobey if he allowed himself to walk in fear. 
but that if he was strong and very courageous, he would look past every temptation to disobey. Remember Nehemiah, when the, when the messenger came to him and said, run and hide in the temple because Sanballat and Tobiah have dispatched people to come and kill you. They've sent assassins to kill you right now. So go run and hide in the temple. It was not lawful for him to go into the temple at that time. He was not consecrated as a priest at that time, and he could not go into the temple. It was not lawful, but he was tempted to do so in order to save his own life. And so he thought, because I'm afraid, and what tends to happen is when we become afraid, we give ourselves permission to do all kinds of stuff. And we look back, well, I was scared. Well, I did that because I was scared. And God says, I know it's coming, so I'm commanding you now, don't be afraid. I'm commanding you, don't be afraid. You're going to be obedient to God, but in order to do so, you're going to be strong and very courageous. In verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed? Yes, you have commanded me. For the last four verses, you've been commanding me. He commanded him in verse 6. He commanded him in verse 7. He commanded him in verse 9. He commanded, and then the people, watch this, the people repeat the command of the Lord in verse 18. The people say to him, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. And then Joshua gives the command to the people in 1025. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. Okay. So that command to be strong and typically that command to be strong comes at us at the place of a transition where things are transitioning. Something's about to shift and more, more responsibility is going to be placed on you in the next season. And so you must hear the command to be strong. We see in first Kings chapter two, verse two, David is getting ready to die. And so he calls in his son, Solomon, that he knows is going to rule over his people in his place. He says, I'm getting ready to go the way of all the earth. Another translation, I'm about to die. So be strong and prove yourself a man, be strong and show yourself a man. He says, Solomon, it's time for you to show yourself a man. It's time for you to demonstrate that you are a man. And David said, and here is my definition of manhood. Be strong. A man is strong. A man is strong. A man is of good courage. Amen. So God wants us to be strong. And we talked about that. If you haven't heard my message on the strength of the inner man, I want you to get a hold of it because it's a very, very important message for us in this season. You know, I I want you to know tonight I'm disillusioned with fear. I'm disillusioned with fear because fear never keeps its promise. Have you noticed that? Think of the last five things you were afraid of. The last five things that fear came to you and promised were going to happen to you. Fear is always making promises. Fear comes with a whole fistful of promises. You're going to lose your job. Your wife's going to leave you. Your your car's going to break down. Your finances are going to be depleted. You and your family are going to be out on the street. All kinds of stuff. Fear is constantly. And have you noticed? Think back on the last 10 promises fear made you. Which one of them did he keep? If you now, if there was somebody in your life that came and knocked on your door and made you promises every day and never kept one of them, at a certain point, you'd stop opening the door. But many of us in this room have been opening the door for that liar for in our entire lives. And we haven't woken up to the fact that we should be disillusioned with fear right about now. We should have come to the point and said, wait a minute, he's always making promises. 
He's always, always, always. And secondly, he always promises to help, but never helps. He makes things worse. He says, well, I'm just trying to help. Fear, fear puts on the disguise of helpfulness, but he never helps. He makes things work. He makes things worse. Matter of fact, if I could just get him out of the way, I would have clarity. And if I have clarity, I can have wisdom. The fact of the matter is, if you can just remove fear and get it out of the way and allow God to strengthen your inner man, you'll find that already on the inside of you, God has deposited the wisdom and the understanding to handle whatever situations you face. It's already there, but it can't come out as long as fear is in the way. You got to get fear out of the way. You know, I like watching burn notice. Anybody here watch burn notice? Right now I'm on season three. I know they're on season five or six, but I'm behind, so I watch it on Netflix. And and um, it's about a spy who was burned. I watched an episode last night, and they had a client they were trying to help, but his house was going to explode. Somebody had put a bomb under his house, and they were trying to convince him that he needed to get out of the house. But he started freaking out. Oh, no, what are we going to do? we got to do something. And finally they just knocked him out. Just punched him in his jaw, knocked him unconscious, and carried him out of the house. Just as they got out of the house, the house exploded. Fear is not helping us right now. You know, we need to learn how to knock our fear out. You need to learn how to punch that fear in the jaw and knock it unconscious. That that voice of fear, just learn how to shut it up because it's not time to fear. It's not time to panic. It's time to get moving and get about doing what God wants you to do. And it's time to get out of the places that Satan has lured you into and put a bomb underneath it. Get out of it before he blows you up and destroys you. You're hearing me tonight. So God wants us to learn how to be strong. He wants us to learn how to be strong. And the reason he wants us to learn how to be strong is because there's work for you and I to do. There's work. Look at your neighbor and say, there's work for you to do. There's work for you to do. You know why Satan wants to weaken you in your inner man? He wants to weaken you so that you'll stop the work. Because the first thing that stops when you become weakened in your inner man is the work of the Lord. And those forces work on us on a daily basis to weaken us so that we stop the work of the Lord. And here's the key. You got to look at your neighbor and say this. Look at your neighbor and say, you are more than a conqueror. You are more than victorious. You are more than victorious. (laughs) You know what happens? You know what happens when you begin to weaken in your inner man? You start to feel like you're failing and you start to feel like your labor is in vain. You start to feel like you're sowing to no avail. You start to feel like you're simply flailing at the air. You're starting to feel like your labor is fruitless, like no good is coming out of it. You start to feel like you haven't accomplished anything and it's all a lie. It's all a lie. You know, I've um, been having a lot, you know, pastoring two churches now. I have a lot of conversations that I have to have with a lot of different individuals. My meetings have doubled. Actually, my meetings have increased because coming in as the new pastor, you know, when you become the new pastor of a new church, there's a lot more. There's there's kind of it's it's relationally intensive. There's a lot of relationships you have to establish. You know, if, if Joseph, Joseph and I have a thing, I just say, you know, get over it. Go on, you know, get on with it. You're cool. Because he can handle that, right? Because I've known him for so long. But somebody I just met, I can't just say, get over it. I have to sit. They don't even know me yet. So I have to sit down with them and talk. And so I've been having a lot of those conversations. People don't know why I've become the new pastor of the new church and, and, and what's going on. And, and so we're working 
things through with people. But here's the thing. I'll, I, I found early on I would sit down with somebody and it seemed like a terrible conversation. It seemed like I had no idea what to say and I said all the wrong things and I did all the, and I didn't have any wisdom. It seemed like it seemed like it went terribly. But then afterwards, I'd look at them and they're walking around smiling. Hey, how you doing? And hugging everybody. And the next day they send me an email. I feel so much better now that we had that conversation. And I'm like, about what? I mean, what what would make you feel better? What would make you feel better? And you know what I realized? You know why they felt better? Because I sat down and talked to them. I gave them some of my time. You know what? They wanted some of my time. And they needed me to just stop and pay attention to them for a few minutes. And when I did that, they felt better. It didn't fix their problem, but they felt better. Now, here's the, here's the key. What I realized is I walked away from those conversations at the beginning thinking I completely failed. But then the next day I saw I was greatly victorious. Fear will always tell you that you failed. You just got to stop and say, you know what? You were a liar before and you're a liar now. Actually, you know what you learn? You can never fail. You cannot fail. You cannot be less than excellent. I was, I was talking to Diana Alvarenga. You know, she, she and, uh, um, and, and Sasha did their dance at the talent show. You know, they were so cute. And they were not just cute, but they were excellent. I mean, they were really good. But they messed up one little place in the beginning. You remember that look on Deanna's face? She looked like somebody had just publicly executed her puppy. <laughs> you know, like, like somebody had taken her puppy up to the platform and shot him in the head in front of, I mean, that, she was devastated. And I took her aside. I said, Deanna, you did good. She said, no, I didn't. I stank. I did terrible. I said, Deanna, you are excellent and you cannot be less than excellent. You made one little mistake in the midst of your routine. It did not make it less than excellent. That was a snapshot. Your routine was a video. You cannot be. And the thing is, what tends to happen is you make one little mistake and then the enemy jumps all over you and says, see, you're a screw up. You're a mess up. Nothing you do is right. You don't deserve to be it. And everybody's going to see that you don't deserve to be where you are. It's a lie. It's a lie. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a lie. It's like you got to expose that mess. You got to expose that mess. The devil wants to weaken you because if he can weaken you, he can hinder you. He could stop you. We see it in the time of Nehemiah. Remember, Nehemiah, he prayed, Lord, strengthen my hands. Why? Because Sanballat and Tobiah were sending all kinds of threats, threatening to kill him, threatening to report him to the king, a false report, threatening to wage war against him. I mean, all kinds of threats. And Nehemiah kept saying, the reason they're threatening me this way is because they want to stop the work. They want to stop the work. They want to stop the work. But he prayed, Lord, strengthen my hands. We see it in the days of the prophet Haggai. The prophet Haggai, he cries out. He says, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Be strong and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. And it's time for us to let our hands be strong. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, you who have been hearing in these days the words by the mouth of the prophets who spoke in the day the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord of hosts that the temple might be built let your hands be strong so that the temple might 
be built. Let your hands be strong. Let your hands be strong. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 13. And it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. Let your neighbor say, let your hands be strong. Let your hands be strong. Let your hands be strong. Isaiah 35, 4, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Say to those who are fearful hearted, we need to begin to practice the discipline of looking for the fearful hearted. That is, as brothers, you know, the scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so the countenance of a man is neighbor. This year, I'm giving you a responsibility. I'm giving you a task. I'm giving you an assignment. This year, every single one of you, I want you to look for fearful heartedness in the face of every man that you meet in the body of, in this church. And if you see any kind of fearful heartedness, if you see any kind of lack of strength, you know, when someone's been weakened in their inner man, you could see it when you look into their eyes. And when someone's inner man is strong, their eyes blaze like fire. When someone's inner man is strong, you feel strong standing in their presence. When someone's inner man is strong, you walk into the room and you feel strengthened. But when someone's inner man is weak, you walk into the room and you feel like all of the strength gets sucked out of you if you allow it to. I want you to practice the discipline of learning how to strengthen one another. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong. I want you to learn to look into each other's eyes when you come to a place of weakness and say, be strong. Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come. Do you see this? Now, here's the key. The prophet is speaking to every kind of situation. He doesn't say, save this for certain situations where you're sure God's going to come through. See, the key is when somebody is weakened in their inner man and they start telling you why they feel weak and what's going on in their lives. When you hear it because you can't come up with the solution to the problem, you don't feel warranted to challenge them to be strong because you're thinking to yourself, man, if I were in your shoes, I'd be weak, too. You know what I learned from my spiritual father? Doesn't matter what I tell him. He's going to challenge me to be strong. He will not allow me to be weakened in my inner man. I was telling him, he said, how are you doing with your dissertation? You know, he's got this look on his face. How are you doing with your dissertation? I said, I hit a wall today. And he, and he said, what? I said, I hit a wall. I couldn't get through it. I'm stuck. And he smiled. He said, no, son, there is no wall. There is no wall and you are not stuck. There's only a wall if you believe there is. But I say to you by the word of the Lord that there's nothing but an open door and no man can shut it. And God has put on your shoulders the key of the house of David and you will open it and no one will shut it. And I just, amen. Amen. Yeah. Ooh, I received that. I received that. You know, at the ark, I tell them Pastor Daniel's stories and they use that. No, son. Even women will say it to one another. You know, a girl will say, I feel depressed today. And another girl will look at her and say, no, son. (laughs) I want you to do that to one another. You know, somebody says, oh, man, I just feel so stuck. You just say, no, son. Just look at your statement. No. And you got to do your hand like this. Come on, everybody practice. No, son. No, son. No. You're not stuck. You're not trapped. Be strong. Come back to that place of strength. Be strong. You're more than a conqueror. Come back to that place of strength. It's time for you to arm yourself with strength. Now, here's the question. 
when I feel weak, because we all come to the place where we feel weak. I'm not preaching this to you because I do it 100% well. I'm not preaching this to you because I walk in strength 24-7, 365. No, I felt weak earlier today, about an hour ago. Okay. Matter of fact, before going into the service, I felt like I just want to go throw myself off a bridge. So don't, you know, I'm not saying (laughs) no, son. Had to look in the mirror and say to myself, no, son. (laughs) There's no loss in this season. Pastor Daniels told me, he said, you couldn't imitate me. I said, yes, I could. And he laughed. He said, what would you say? I said, Pastor Daniels, my wife just shot me in the leg. No, son, that's a lie. (laughs) No, but seriously, I'm bleeding. I'm losing blood. There's no loss in this season, son. You can't lose anything. No, but my leg is bleeding out. No, son, you're covered in the blood of Jesus. (laughs) God can raise up another leg. You don't even need that leg. You can't lose your leg. (laughs) But that's that's the truth. No matter what I say, he, he always flips it so there's no loss in it. He always flips it. Now, on the flip side, if you walk in fear, no matter what anybody says, you flip it so that there's always loss in it. Always. Always. You get a promotion. I just got a promotion. Oh, yeah. Well, watch out because the devil's going to try to get you fired. (laughs) Right? You know? (laughs) You know? I just got a bonus at my job. I got extra money. Yeah, well, you're probably going to spend it on nothing. (laughs) You know, we find a way to make it loss. You know, how about flipping it, walking in faith, so that no matter what somebody says, we find a way to make it gain. Because if we're walking in faith, there is no loss, there's only gain. But here's the question. When I'm feeling weak, how do I come back to the place of strength? See, this is the key discipline. It's not that you'll never come into the place of weakness, but that you learn how to strengthen yourself when you do come into the place of weakness. You learn that you don't have to wallow in a pit of despair and of depression. You learn, as Paul said, we're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We're persecuted but not abandoned. We're struck down but not destroyed. Right? We're perplexed but not in despair. The problem in the body of Christ is that when we get hard-pressed on every side, we allow it to crush us. Say, I'm crushed! (laughs) You know? When we get struck down, we allow it to destroy us. Oh, I'm destroyed. When we're perplexed, we're in despair. Paul said, I am hard pressed on every side, but it can't crush me. Why? Because he had learned how to strengthen, how to edify himself. Now, look at this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. I'm going to give you two keys. One individual and one corporate. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, the word edify means to build up. He who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. When it says he who speaks in a tongue, it's talking about the gift of tongues. The Greek term is glossolalia. He who speaks in tongues. And the gift of tongues is the supernatural ability to speak by the power of the Holy Spirit, the language of heaven, or the language of the angels, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you receive the gift of tongues, it is a supernatural prayer language, and the purpose of it is to empower you to build yourself up. You say, well, I'm so broken down right now. Well, now that you've received the gift of tongues, you have the power to build yourself up when you're broken down. 
You know what I find is that when I'm beat down, if I can get into a corner somewhere, put some worship music in my earphones and speak in tongues for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, however long it takes, I'm going to break through it and come back into the place of strength. That is, I'm going to build myself up, or as Paul said, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. And so it is imperative that every believer in Jesus Christ pray for the gift of tongues if you don't have it. You know, I remember when I was growing up and I was, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. I told the story about how when I was 9, the evangelist laid his hands on me and I spoke in other tongues. But I couldn't speak in tongues again until I was 13. But that period between 9 years old and 13 years old was wrought with frustration the reason was I had this, this ecstatic experience when I was nine where I spoke in other tongues and I understood at that moment the power of it. I understood how important it was. I understood what God does through it and I wanted that so bad, but for some reason I felt like it was beyond my reach. When I was 13 years old, the Lord gave it to me in the middle of the night and I prayed for hours. The first thing that happened was you say, well, you know, you look at kids and you say, well, of course, they don't have much discipline. That's why they can't focus in the service and blah, blah, blah. No, I was 13 years old and I would get on my knees and pray for hours. But before I was baptized in the spirit and spoke in other tongues, I would get on my knees and pray for 10 minutes and be bored. I'm talking about I went from praying for, for minutes to praying for hours overnight. And it had nothing to do with discipline. It wasn't because I was disciplined. I've never been a very disciplined person. I've got a pastoral version of ADD. I've got apostolic ADD. <laughs> right? But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came on me in that way when I was 13, and suddenly I could get on my knees and pray for hours. I could pray myself out of any pit. I could pray through any jungle. There have been times when anxiety would come and rest on me and I would get on my knees and just cry out to God and speak in other tongues as the spirit gave utterance and until I prayed through it and I come out on the other side of it rejoicing. All of a sudden I had victory. Why? Because Paul said he who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. He edifies himself. He builds himself up. It is the power of self edification. And here is what burnout is. Burnout is when you get so busy building others up that you don't build yourself up. And you're building others up out of a deficit. So that instead of building others up out of fullness, you're building others up out of a place of emptiness. Can you imagine if you worked in a soup kitchen and served soup, but you never ate anything? You were starving to death while serving other soup? Can you imagine if you worked at a shoe, at a shoe store selling shoes to people, but you were barefoot yourself? Can you imagine if you worked in a clothing store, but you walked around naked? Matter of fact, you wouldn't buy clothes from a naked man. And you wouldn't buy shoes from a barefoot man. Right? Matter of fact, when you, you know, <laughs> I don't even buy shoes at Nordstrom no more because you walk into Nordstrom and you look down at the shoes of the guys who are selling in the shoe store. Man, they're wearing like, like old beat up, you know, that's just they can't afford to buy shoes in the store that they work in. That ain't right. But, um... <laughs> Here's the point I'm making. We need to learn to serve the Lord. God wants to strengthen us for the work. He's got work for us to do, and the work is edifying others, but he first wants us to learn to edify ourselves. That is, self-edification is an essential skill because when you learn to build yourself up, you never get burnt out. 
You can protect yourself from burnout and you can discern when you're about to burn out and know that I need some time for self-edification. And, and the second problem is a lot of, of, of us in the body of Christ, we have the power of self-edification, but we don't use it. Instead, we turn on the television when we feel beat down. <laughs> we think I'm so beat down, I just need to veg out in front of the television. And three or four hours later, we're still beat down. Matter of fact, we're more beat down, right? You know, because we watched unedifying stuff and it didn't build us up. And so we're in even more need of edification. You know what? I'm learning to practice the discipline of only turning on the television when I'm full. From the place of fullness. That is, if I'm full and I've served the Lord and I've given myself, but I've come back and I've edified myself and I'm at that place of fullness, then I might be able to watch an episode of something on television. Why? Because I'm not searching for any edification. And when you're searching for edification in the wrong location, you're going to find yourself in the place of some type of wickedness or some abomination. Ooh, that's tweetable. When you're searching for edification in the wrong location, you end up with an abomination. Tweet that. (laughs) When you're searching for edification. Okay. So, number one, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But here's the second part of it. He who prophesies edifies the church. The individual aspect of it is self-edification, the power of self-edification, discerning when I'm weak and I need to be strengthened. I go into my prayer closet and I build myself up. But then secondly, the corporate dimension is when I come out strong, I prophesy. To prophesy is to speak the word of the Lord. Look at verse 3. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Prophecy goes from self-edification to corporate edification. It says, I'm strong, praise God, but I'm not going to stop with my own strength. I'm going to look for somebody else to strengthen. The thing you need to understand is that prophecy has been grossly misunderstood in the body of Christ in contemporary Christianity. Prophecy is not fault-finding. It's not an anointing for fault-finding. It's not looking around. The Lord says you're in this sin. The Lord says you're in this sin. Well, you know, duh. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you you come to church and you find po- folks are in sin. <laughs> you know, wow. You must be Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't take a whole lot to figure that out, that folks are struggling with stuff in the house of God. You know what? Fault finding doesn't fix it. But when you prophesy, you build people up. Listen, when you learn to speak strength, To people who feel weak, you pull them out of the pit and they walk away strong. You hearing me? So learning how to build up yourself and then secondly, learning how to build up the body through the gift of prophecy. And that's why Paul says later on, I believe it's verse 12. He says, uh, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, the word in the Greek, zealous, zeal, it means to be boiling for spiritual gifts. He said, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. That is, you should be asking God to excel you in the gift of prophecy. He says in 14 chapter 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Here's the key. 
to be a man, to show yourself a man. I'm challenging each and every one of you at Living Hope Christian Center to show yourself a man in the year 2012 and to show yourself a man in your family, to show yourself a man in your school or job, and to show yourself a man in this church. I want people in this church to look around and look you in the eye and say, now that's a man right there. Man, he's the man. He's the man. You know why they'll say that? You say, well, I, I don't have that kind of person. No, 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 no. When they see strength in your eyes, when they see that you're strong, when they see that you don't allow yourself to burn out, you know how to get. And when you when you are weak, when they see that, you know how to strengthen yourself, when they see, you know, how to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, when they see that, you know how to stop and say, I'm going to get strong right now. And secondly, when you learn how to strengthen others through the gift of prophecy. Now look at verse three again. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. To edify means to build up. To exhort means to stir up. And to comfort means to cover up. When you prophesy, you're building up, you're stirring up, and you're covering up. You're building up, you're stirring up, and you're covering up. Now, when you stir up exhortation, you, you know that, um, that bar in the middle of your washing machine sticks up in the middle and it turns? What's it called? The agitator. It agitates the clothes. Imagine if that wasn't there. And, you, and the water filled up and you poured the soap in and you closed it and it just sat there for 30 minutes. Would the clothes get clean? Why not? The water's there. Why not? The soap is there, right? It's got the cleansing agent. The clothes are there. The water's there. The soap is there. But until it all gets stirred up, the cleansing agent does not penetrate the fabric. You come to the house of God. The water's there. The spirit's there. The soap is there. The word is there, right? But people go home just as dirty as they came. Why? Because they didn't get agitated. Now, sometimes you got to agitate other brothers. You got to agitate. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost agitation. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost agitation. Holy Ghost agitation. You're stirring up one another. And what happens sometimes, you know, you say, come on, brother, you got to you got to wake up. Come on, brother. You got to come on. Rise up, bro. Come on. Right. In other words, when when you see the word, see, this is what happens week after week after the word goes out. And there's some folks that don't let it touch them. I mean, it just kind of sits. And sometimes all they need is for one person to come and say, you know, this word is for you, right? Are you hearing it? How come you still look downcast? How come your face still looks? You still look defeated. And the pastor is saying, be strong. The pastor saying, be strong, and you still look defeated. Brother, you got to rise up, right? Come on, come on. And you know what? They may get agitated. They make, but you know what? You know what? You're going to cleanse them. Suddenly, because they're agitated, the cleansing agent's going to penetrate. Now, you got to learn how to do it with wisdom because you're not tearing their clothes. Wisdom is discerned by her children. If afterwards the garments aren't clean, you didn't agitate, you irritate it. It's not called the irritator. It's called the agitator. Are you hearing me this, this evening? We got to learn how to stir up, how to build up, how to stir up, and how to cover up. Sometimes folks need to be covered. 
See, we have to we have to recognize when somebody needs to be built up to build up somebody. You're speaking and to build up. Not all building up is prophecy. But building up is a core function of prophecy. If I were to build up, say, Chris, I would say, you know what? The photos that you're putting up on the, the Facebook page are awesome, man. I mean, your ability to photograph things are just incredible, man. I just love the angles you take photos from, and you catch these moments that are awesome, and you go home and edit them, and then when you upload them onto the Facebook page, it's really building this community. And I just built up Chris Wong, and everything I said is true there. I just built up Chris. How did I build him up? By recognizing the value of his contribution. I built him up by recognizing the value of his contribution. Now, how can I build somebody up prophetically through the gift of prophecy? First of all, you should pray for the gift of tongues, which is the ability to self-edify. Secondly, you should pray every day for the gift of prophecy. And Paul says it very clearly. If any man speaks in a tongue, let him pray that he may interpret. That is, Asking God for the gift of prophecy and asking God for the interpretation of tongues. Let's say I want to build up Kevin Carrington through the gift of prophecy, and I'm going to prophesy to Kevin right now and build him up. I'm going to demonstrate this edification function. Kevin, the Lord has given you a spirit of faith that allows you to believe and speak things that other men will not believe, and therefore they will not speak. The Lord has given you the audacity to speak things that other people would never speak because they're beyond the sphere of what can be rationally understood and believed by natural man. But God's given you an ability to do it on a daily basis, and God gives you things and you speak them. You have an audacity to speak them, and everybody around you may say, he's crazy, that'll never happen, but you continue to speak them because God has given you a spirit of faith and the Lord says you continue to believe and you continue to speak because like Samuel I'm with you and I will not let your words fall to the ground now that's prophecy and that's real I, I, I prophesied over Kevin I didn't just make that up that's not just you know, are you hearing me I can't just teach it I have to demonstrate it now this is the thing you got to ask God for the gift of prophecy you got to ask God. See, the, the, one, of the, one of the things that we need to recognize in this new season is we need to value the gifts of the Spirit. We need to honor, because when the gift of prophecy really flows, it is God speaking to one of his children. And we must hear it as we hear a word from the Lord. You know, I just had a situation with, with um, um, one of the pastors that I cover in another place where there was a threat hanging over his head. And it looked absolutely certain that it was going to happen. But I was praying for him. The Lord said, it will come to nothing. So I called him up and I said, the Lord says this thing will come to nothing. It'll come to nothing. He took that word and he just said, okay, I believe it. I believe it. And from that time for the next three months, everything looked like that word was wrong. Everything looked like that threat was coming to pass. And I would call him. And even up till a week ago, I called him. I said, what's it looking like? He says, Everything in the natural says this thing is going full steam ahead and it's going to materialize in the next three days. It's going to happen. His church was going to oust him and he was going to lose his job. And I said, it'll come to nothing. He said, I'm just hanging on to that word you gave me. I'm believing it. I'm believing. I'm hanging on to that word. I'm believing it. And I just declare it'll come to nothing. Three days later, it came to nothing. And I, I can't even tell you the turn of events or what happened. But the word, that threat was overturned, and instead he was more firmly established in his place with greater blessing. 
When we learn to speak prophetically by the word of the Lord, we learn to speak against the grain of what everything in the natural looks, of, of how it looks. Pastor Daniels has done with that with me a thousand times. It looks like the world's going to end. And he'd say, no, 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 I was praying for you this morning. And the Lord says he's blessing you. So this can't be right. It looks like a curse. It can't be right when God told me he's blessing you. So now the prophetic word is going to overturn the promise of fear. And when you speak prophetically to men and we learn as a community to honor the prophetic word. When we learn to honor the prophetic word, we're able to hear a word that is the opposite of what everything looks like in the natural and believe it because we receive it as the word of the Lord. It also must be judged. Because folks prophesy crazy stuff called prophelying. And so we're going to judge prophecy as well. It's called moving in the pathetic. <laughs> right? He said, this is a powerful, pathetic anointing. We're going to have a pathetic conference next week. We're going to bring in a, a pathic. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so learning to build one another up, to strengthen one another. And so this is the key. You've got to pray every day. Number one, that God would strengthen you in your ability to self-edify. Make it. These are the, your two New Year's resolutions. One, pray that God would strengthen you in the power of self-edification. Strengthen you in it. Strengthen you in your ability to get into your prayer closet. This is the thing. You shouldn't have to go into a pit every week and have five guys come pull you out of it. Think about it. If Jermaine was walking home and he fell into a pit and he called five of us on, our, on his cell phone, we all turned around. You know, Guillermo was heading to Richmond. He turned around, drove all the way back to Oakland. Everybody was, came from every direction and pulled Jermaine out of the pit. First time it happened, we'd go, whoo, thank God you called us, bro. Anytime, man, we're not going to leave you in a pit. Then the next day, he falls into the same pit. Bro, come get me out. And so we all go, come from the other side of the bay and we pull him out of the pit. Dude, man, you got to stop falling. And you got to stop, you know, look, man, go, go. You know, if you're going to fall into a pit, make it another pit. Right? And then a couple days later, bro, I fell into the pit again. After a while, you'd be like, man, I'm going to come get you out tomorrow. Because <laughs> you're going to be there again tomorrow anyway. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is when you learn. Now, watch this. It doesn't mean you never fall into a pit again. But when you learn the power of self-edification, you learn how to climb out of it instead of laying in it and waiting around for a search party to come find you and rescue you and helicopter you out of it. You know, some believers fall so hard, they got to be helicoptered out of the pit. You know, it's like the, the traffic stops and the police are out and there's caution tape everywhere. Nobody else can go about the business of the kingdom because the whole church has to stop and helicopter this. Now that'll happen once in a while, but if that's happening over and over again, and I, this, this is the thing we're going to, we're going to kill this devil this year here. People say, well, I haven't seen brother. I haven't seen you at church in three months. Where you been? Well, I was going through a struggle and I wonder why nobody called me. Translation, what I did was I abandoned the whole community, cut everybody off, isolated myself in my trouble, made myself inaccessible to the body and fully accessible to the devil. And wonder why you didn't send a search party to to rescue me. Well, (laughs) because you chose not to come. I mean, if you were in the hospital and couldn't get to somebody, that's one thing. But you chose to cut. You got a phone. Call a brother. You need help, call somebody. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm going insane tonight. I'm losing my mind. But here's the key. 
pray every day. This is this is your son. No, son. That's a lie from the devil. Hey. You know what I love, Pastor Daniels, is no matter what you say, he treats it like the greatest revelation that he's ever heard in his life. Say, Pastor Daniels, the Lord spoke to me this morning and said that he loves me. And he'll be like that for like 20 minutes. Ooh, Ooh, that was powerful. (laughs) But you know what? That's how he lives. I mean, he just lives in this place where just every simple moment with the Lord becomes the most power. Every moment of his life is powerful because he just lives with the Lord. He never I've never seen him in the place of weakness. Now, it doesn't mean he never goes there, but he knows how to call his spiritual father and get built up. And he knows how to get into his prayer closet and build himself up. What I'm saying is what the reason I keep talking about him is because I'm watching his life and I'm asking God to give me that inheritance. I want to live in that. And I want you to watch my life and ask God to to give you that inheritance. And I want you to pray every day for the power of self-edification, that God would increase the power of self-edification. And specifically, if any of you have not received the gift of tongues this year, you're going to get it. You're going to receive it. I want you to pray that God would give you the gift of tongues, the supernatural ability to build yourself up in your most holy faith and to pray in the Holy Spirit. It's the super natural ability and it gives you it takes your prayer life to another level and then and then thirdly that you're going to pray every day that god would use you as a mouthpiece to speak to his people through the gift of prophecy matter of fact the bible commands us to seek the gift of prophecy and if we don't seek it we're living an unbiblical form of christianity amen this year we're going to build ourselves up we're not going to allow ourselves to be torn down and we're going to build one another up And we're going to be strong and we're going to show ourselves men this year. We're going to show ourselves men. You know, it's one thing to be a man, but it's another thing to show yourself a man. This year, we're going to demonstrate it. We're going to demonstrate. We're going to show these ladies and we're going to be strong on behalf of our wives. And we're going to be strong on behalf of the women of the house. We're going to be strong on behalf of the daughters of the house. We're going to be strong and they're going to feel safe. Because you know what? The women in any church only feel safe when the men are strong. But when the men are weak, the women feel unsafe spiritually, just as they feel unsafe in the natural. Can you imagine if you were a woman? Going into the ghetto with a couple of scared pipsqueaks, you know, a couple of nerds, you'd be scared to death. You know what happens when women feel unsafe, when they don't feel protected by the men around them? They try to step up into the place of leadership and they start to try to cover the man. And they resent him for it. Sometimes our wives are sometimes even the women of the house are being strong, not because they want to, but because they're waiting for us to. This year, we're going to step into our place. Every single one of us, we're going to step into our place and be strong. Amen. Amen. It is hotter than Gehenna in here. Can somebody please go next door and turn on a little bit of air because Joseph. Okay. Darrell's got it. Darrell's got it. Darrell's got it. It is hotter than the place of eschatological torment in this room right now. (laughs) The lake of fire. (laughs) Everybody stand. Here's what I want. Um, First of all, we're going to pray the first prayer. The power of self-edification.
there's any men in this room right now, you, maybe you don't have the gift of tongues and you're going to ask God for it tonight. God can give it to you in a moment. No, it's not the mark of spiritual elitism. It's simply the power of self-edification. Tonight, I want you to ask God for it. If that's you, I just want you to come into the aisle and just walk this direction. Just into the aisle and walk this direction. You're asking God to give you that tonight. You're asking God to give you that tonight. I believe he'll do it. Good, good. Stand right there. That's good. That's good. Good. Just come stand in line. Good, good. If anybody else, just come stand behind Hal. That's good. That's good. Okay. Those who are nearby these two, I want you to lay your hands on them and everybody just pray. God, let the gift of the Holy Spirit fall right now in the name of Jesus. Let the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on, don't stop, guys. Don't stop. Continue to press. Continue to contend. Continue to contend. Thank you. 
Do it right now. Do it right now, Father. Let the Holy Spirit fall. Let the Holy Spirit fall right now. In the name of Jesus, let the Holy Spirit fall right now. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, fall right now. Fall right now. Anoint, anoint, a new anointing, a new anointing, a new anointing, a new anointing, a new anointing. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, this is the beginning. I believe the gift of the Holy Spirit was imparted to you two today. But I want you to pray every day for the release of it. What happens is when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you ask him to dwell in your heart through faith, he comes and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells there and lives there. But the gift of tongues is the overflow of what's already in you through your faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not something that comes from heaven. It's something that wells up from within, which means the gift of the Holy Spirit is already on the inside of you through your faith in Jesus Christ. But that gift of tongues is the overflow of what's already in you. It just wells up, overflows, wells up. And all of us should be praying for that welling up and overflow, that welling up and overflow every day. We want the Holy Spirit to overflow and overflow again and again and again. And one of one of my disciplines in prayer is not to stop praying until the overflow comes, until there's an overflow. I don't want to live at half a cup. I don't want to live at a quarter of a cup. I want to live with my cup overflowing. That's a spiritual discipline to live in the overflow. Amen. But I want you to to keep praying that every day that God would just release the gift, that he would release the gift and that he'd release you into the flow of it. Amen. Amen. Now, everybody, you all can you both can all can go back to your seats. Everybody, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to begin to pray and ask God for the gift of prophecy. Ask God to speak through you to your brothers and sisters. Ask God to speak through you.
Come on, don't stop. Pray for the spirit of prophecy to fall heavy on this house. Pray that it falls heavy. Lord, let it fall heavy on this meeting right now. Let the spirit of prophecy fall on every man in this house. In Jesus' name. Let it fall. Let it fall. Let it fall. Let it fall. Amen. So every day you're going to pray that God would speak through you, that he would make you his mouthpiece and that the spirit of prophecy would fall heavy on the house, that we would be a prophetic gathering. Now, when God does speak through you, we're going to talk about prophetic protocol and how to give that no direction, no correction, no dates and no mates. What is that? No direction, meaning I feel like the Lord says you're supposed to move to China. If you get a word like that, save it. Don't share it. You're not going to give any direction and no correction. The Lord rebukes you because you're in, you're doing this. No correction, no prophetic correction, and then no dates. The Lord says on January 13th, 20, 2013, this is going to happen. No, 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 no dates and no mates. The Lord says she's your wife or the Lord says she's not your wife. None of that. You know what you can do? You can edify, you can exhort, and you can comfort. You can build up, brothers. If the Lord gives you a word that builds somebody up, you're free to deliver it. If the Lord gives you a word that stirs someone up, you're free to deliver it. And if the Lord gives you a word that covers someone up, you're free to deliver it. Okay? All right. Uh, one more thing. Pastor Louie, please come here. This is my friend, Louie Kang. We went to Fuller Seminary together. Just stand right here. Yeah, good, good, good. Went to Fuller Seminary together. He's a church planter, and uh, he's in transition. And, and uh, But he's he's got a powerful vision and a powerful work of the Lord in him. And whenever he comes to town or whenever we go down to visit him and his wife, I just get so built up and so inspired. And so God has just put a wealth in this man. And God has just given him such a, a, a beautiful heart and an incredible vision and a powerful mind. And I just want us to lay our hands on him tonight and just bless him for the, the next season. Uh, he's entering into a new season now, and God is opening doors that he has hitherto not opened before. But now there's an open door and there's light. There's an open door. And he's felt that he's been surrounded by walls at times. But now there's an open door. And, and the, the open door, I, feel, I just see a whole wall opening. The whole wall has become a door. There's such an opening before you right now. And we're just going to release you to enter into it fully tonight with all of the provision, with all of the power, with all of the perception, with all of the anointing, with all of the wisdom, and with all of the revelation that you need to walk through it. Everybody lay your hands on him or lay your hands on somebody who's laying their hands on him. Everybody just pray right now. Just speak over this man.